Are you wanting to create a highly prosperous photography business doing what you love? Or maybe you have a great business already and want to up your game? Then you're in the right place. Master craftsman photographer Lucy Dumas and her guests are here to support you on your journey. Now here's your hostess and tour guide, Lucy. Nothing is impossible. The word itself says, I'm possible. And that's a quote by Audrey Hepburn. And I'm so thrilled to have our next guest, Lori Nordstrom, uh, to introduce you to, or if you already know who she is, I know you'll be just as thrilled. Um, Before I introduce her, I want to send out a request. So I'm starting something new with my podcast, and I'm going to be coaching people live. So if you are a wedding or portrait photographer right now, I want you to send me an email at lucy at lucydumas.com or go to lucydumascoaching.com, Lucy with an I, and um, send me a message saying you'd like to apply to be a guest on my show where you can ask me anything about pricing or marketing or anything else that is holding you back from your success. I'm particularly looking for people who feel stuck. And um, so anyway, that's my big news. Do it today. <laughs> okay, so Lori Nordstrom began her photography career photographing her own children in the backyard over 25 years ago. She's known for her sweet, simple, real lifestyle, focused on families and children. Soon after getting involved in print competition in 2000, Lori was asked to speak at her own Iowa State Convention and has since gone on to present programs and workshops in all 50 states and around the world. We are so lucky to have her. Um, She's been seen on Creative Live, PhotoVision, and national and international stages. And she's also a sought-after business coach to help people who are creative entrepreneurs reach their goals. And she has a book. Oh my gosh, she does everything. <laughs> Maximizing Profits, a Practical Guide for Photographers. So welcome, 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 Lori. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I appreciate uh, it. Thank you. We were to talk to you. Same here. I, I don't know if you and I have ever just sat down one-on-one and had a chat. And so it's uh, sort of like some, yeah, some like somebody said, "Here, eat this whole chocolate cake, and you won't have any calories." <laughs> <laughs> like it's a delicious opportunity. Oh, <laughs> well, and I have to tell you, I'm really excited for this next chapter for you. I love live coaching. I call them uh, my live coaching hot seats, and so it's like, who wants to be in the hot seat? Let's do it. And I think you're going to have a lot, a lot of fun with that. Well, I can't wait. Thank you. <laughs> Because I, yeah, I love coaching. I've done it all my life, whether people wanted it or not. <laughs> love it. And so getting to do it live and share um, is, yeah, yeah. Same. I had half a thought. I'm going to start that again. So doing it live and getting to share, I'm hoping will really, really contribute to uh, people's profitability and yes. um, business success. So I want to tell you, Lori, or actually I want to thank you. Um, as people know who've listened regularly, when I started, Started. It was a man's world. And I'm going to stop mentioning that from now on. <laughs> <laughs> Are you? Because everyone knows that. Okay. But you and Sarah Petty and 
and Sandy Pooch and Bambi Cantrell came on the scene like a wave of the woman's voice. I didn't realize it was it was late uh, 1990s something and early 2000s. That means it was 20 years uh, in my career before uh, the woman's perspective came on the scene. And it was just, I remember the convention. I can see the room in my mind and seeing your um, beautiful framed black and whites that were these sensitive, natural photographs and just being um, gobsmacked mm-hmm. that <laughs> that this additional uh, voice was starting to become a national prominent. So Lori, thank you for being part of that pioneering team. Oh my goodness. Thank you for sharing that. It like takes me back to the days where we, we went, you know, we'd go to speak, we'd have canvases that were rolled up and we'd unroll our canvases oh, yeah. and them all around the room. And it was just a different time, you know, uh, super interesting. And of course, before social media and all the things that we have now available to us digitally, we didn't even think of podcasts then, right? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no. yes, uh, different world. And it was a very interesting time. The first few times that I was asked to speak locally, as you mentioned, locally, and then um, at some other state organizations and kind of uh, got the bug from there. But in those first moments, you know, I would be one of the only women that were on the platform at a at a workshop, convention, state convention, whatever. And uh, so, yeah, we've come a long, long way, haven't we? Yeah, yes, yes. Women you know, take I, over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I think guys think we have, but really we're just holding up our half of the sky. <laughs> and I had been speaking, I had my master's uh, 10 years before you even started in business. And mm-hmm. so there were w- women speaking in the, in the local level. But um, right. so what do you think you added to the conversation about how to be a successful photographer? You as a representative for that wave of, of women um, getting national and international prominence. Uh, well, it's so interesting because I've always said, you know, when the, when the term MWAC, Moms with a Camera came out, I was like, I'm the original. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, the OG of the MWEC. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but literally, when I started in the mid '90s, I even I even worked with another studio, worked for another studio for about a year, and um, you know, all of course studio, all very old master style, which is so beautiful, and I I learned a lot there. Uh, but you know, it was the the Tim Waldens and the Tim Kellys and the Darton Drakes of the day, you know, that all had this just beautiful, gorgeous studio, old master style that was fantastic but that was what was on stages at the time mm-hmm. and all you know all brick and mortar all um you know kind of that that look in that style and when I started I didn't know any better I was running around the backyard with my kids and just shooting a roll of black and white film once a month or so and then I fell in love with hand painting and I I just happened to take a, a class that had come through and I was painting with oils on my black and whites and I started hanging those those first original you know, little, little photos of just mm-hmm. my kids, like literally running in the backyard, laughing, playing, holding hands, not looking at the camera, um, all of that, that just wasn't cool then. Um, but that was how I saw my kids. And then I was hand painting those. And I, and at the time I owned a hair salon. And so I was hanging up those pictures of the kids in the hair salon and started having other clients and uh, people that came in saying, Oh my goodness, where did you get that? And so of course I started photographing their kids and that's kind of how it, uh, my, my photography 
photography business came about uh, very organically in that way. And there just came a day when I said, I am, I don't want to cut hair anymore. I want to be a photographer. Mm -hmm. And so legit, I was the first mom with a camera, like, (laughs) Um, and I know I wasn't, but at the time we didn't have social media. So I didn't know anyone else who was doing that. And, and at the, I don't think I really knew, Hey, I'm going to make a career out of this. But I knew at the time I had never worked for anybody else. All I ever knew was my own business since I was 16 years old. And so it didn't scare me at all. I guess that was one of the, one of the bigger things. And then I was really blessed to go in and do marketing and sales for another uh, very well-run studio in our area in Waco, Texas, where I grew up. And so I had the blessing of kind of that back end of the business while watching someone who was very talented uh, in front of the camera. And so it was just a really amazing introduction into the, uh, into the industry. But I think going back to the question, what did, what did I bring to the table? That was the original question. (laughs) You, Um, you as a representative for all of the women at the turn of the it was just, you know, we don't have to all do the same thing. We don't right. have to do things the same way, I think was kind of my thing. And, and like I said, I didn't know any better. And so when I was running around chasing kids with a Mamiya RB back in the day, mm-hmm. I didn't know I wasn't supposed to do that. Right. <laughs> no one told me. Right. And, and so I was doing that. And then when I, when my business started really picking up speed and gaining momentum, I actually went digital really early on. I went digital in 2000. Yeah, I remember that. And um, yeah, so um, just all that transition, I think being on the ground floor of that really helped as well. Mm-hmm. And, then, um, and then I did start entering print competition in 1999. And in, in 2000, I think I had my master's by time, I, by like 2001, like two years later, it was super fast, but I got, you know, loan albums at, right away and all the things uh, super fast. And that that's what started me in the, you know, on the speaking circuit. And so I was asked to do that, but I still, I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I, I legit was chasing kids and, you know, just photographing real life. That's been yeah. part of my tagline since day one is just real life and yeah. always what I, what I want to capture. So, yeah. so, so yeah. in a nutshell, um, you, by doing what just felt right, you showed a different style. Now I'm, I want to let you know, I was already doing that work uh, before you were a photographer doing things similar and little close-up body parts and faces and hand coloring and selling it as well art um one of my mentors uh that that people hear me uh mention a lot is ken whitmire and ken would tell the women that took his class that you couldn't sell wall portraits of children alone oh my (laughs) yeah and you know i've sold i don't know how many thousands and thousands and thousands but it it just was you know, and I want to get on to some other things. And you're like, oh, okay, you know, no, it's all good. we know, but um, it just was exciting to see you teaching how to make really good money on a national level, doing the things that were different, that, that spoke to a mother's heart. Um, I'm like every kid, I'm like every kid's Aunt Lucy. And so um, if there was a point where I said, I don't want to do high key. Cause that was the thing when I started doing studio, I want to do black and whites of emotion. And I want to see those beautiful little parts and faces. And so I, I think that it didn't take anything away from the beautiful things 
that the perspective had been before. Um, and in fact, two of the people you mentioned have already been on my show, Tim Kelly and I um, can't remember who. Tim Walden, else. my faves. Yes, already been on my show and I still adore what they, they 100%. do. 100%. They are just, mentors of mine, both of yeah, them. I yes, adore them. Yes, it just um, added more. Um, it just gave us more crayons in our yeah. in our crayon box of, you know, doing what our heart says. Um, something funny though, it, yeah. Lori, an interesting little moment in in my life because a lot of the a lot of the greats then stopped having national prominence and uh younger photographers that were doing more candid and more you know just a little different yeah yeah a little more lifestyle uh became the superstars and do you know david peters Mm-hmm, sure do. Yeah. So there was a woman who was, it was standing room only at WPPI in a big room, probably 2000 people. And the, the photographer, it was a woman and, and she's delightful. Um, at the time, I felt like her actual photography skills had some room to improve. Um, but, but she, what she was offering and teaching was f- fabulous. David Peters walked in the room in the dark and leaned against the wall. And I thought if people knew who this guy was, they would like bow down (laughs) to Uh him because what he brought early on was the vision of how to have a high-end luxury business with a very deep emotional um, connection. So, so people like our friends, Tim Kelly and others that uh, then it was time for people to start looking back on on what our foundation is, which is one of the reasons I love doing my show. So I can make sure that the newer voices and the ones that have been around a while, you know, we all get to um, share with others. So whew, that, <laughs> that was a long way to um, uh, start getting to the meat of the show. Um <laughs> We, the other funny thing when you talked about hand coloring on black and whites, I don't know if you've heard people say that they'd rather like slit their wrist oh, yeah. and do spot coloring. And it was so exciting and revolutionary and beautiful yes. back in when it was new. So um, do what you love. <laughs> do what you love. That's right. I, I mean, in my position on that, uh, when I went digital, it was a mission of mine to make my digital paintings look like my hand-painted oil. I wanted a client that had bought a hand-painted oil piece to not see the difference when it was hanging on their wall digitally. And I really spent a lot of time on that and, you know, quote unquote, perfecting that. But, um, you know, when it comes down to it, in in my opinion, I, and I had a lot of bashing back in the day because I did do a lot of it. Um, and people would bash me. I'm like, I'm, you know, this is what is making me money. And I'm, make a lot of money. So don't, you know, (laughs) you you can't tell me that, you know, like this is not okay because I don't care. And and it's part of the reason why we can all be in business. We've, we've got other things that we love and other things that we're good at. And, um, you know, in these days you don't even have to be a great photographer. If you are a great business person, you can still make a lot of money in photography. Yeah. Um, it's a lot easier to be a good photographer these days, I believe. Oh, I do too. I, I never, ever one day claimed to be the best photographer in town. That wasn't me, but I knew how to run a business. And that was what was important to me was taking care of my family. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and, so. and you brought a lot of joy to your clients. And so that's awesome. Yes. <laughs> so on to our talking points. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, so let's get on to the talking points. Um, so I know that you believe that uh, business is business, that photography businesses are not like, oh, we have to do things different um, than any other business. And that mindset is uh, the most important number one uh, thing to pay attention to. So can you tell me about that? First of all, what do you mean by mind? What do you mean by mindset? Because it's become kind of a catch word. It is kind of a catch word. You're right. Um, but I do believe that our, our thoughts, our energy, and there's this, this whole thing around abundant mindset that I'm a firm believer in. And I do believe to live in a circle of abundance. And I call it a circle because it goes round and round. We have to be able to receive and we have to be able to give. And that, mm. that's abundant living is being open to receiving and open to giving. And, um, you know, the opposite of that is a scarcity mindset where we're closed up. We don't receive, we're not willing to sell. We're not willing to, um, you know, ask for the sale. Mm-hmm. And when we, when we have that scarcity mindset and we won't receive, when we also cannot give, and that is the only way to become abundant and to become free in anything in our life. And it doesn't, it's not just about money, although that's a block for a lot of photographers because we we're doing what we love and how can we sell it? We want to just give every, it all away and want everyone to have what we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I hear it all the time and I know you do too, Lucy, with the people that we coach, but uh, I, I do believe that that abundant mindset is something that we can all, uh, you know, we can all strive for, we can all have, and it's not something that stops today because I've arrived. It's something that we continue to step into every single day that I get to choose today. Mindset is everything. I get to choose today how I'm going to live. If I'm going to step in today with abundance, or if I'm going to step in today with scarcity. And I mean, this was the perfect year, right? (laughs) To, To really look and get aware of what's going on in your mind, because we could go and sit on the couch with our a blanket and our thumb in our mouth and say, you know, 2020 sucked. And I don't, I can't wait till 2021 and get out of this. Or we could be the person that is saying, what are the opportunities right now? How can I, how can I pivot my bit? I hate the word pivot now because everybody's, I know. <laughs> but how, what, what can I do right now? How can I be open to that abundant mindset, which means I'm looking for the opportunities all around me. And Mm. I'm going to tell you, 2020 has been probably the busiest year of my last five, I would say. I've been so busy and I've been so, so grateful for the work, but uh, it's been, it's been a crazy busy year. And I do believe a lot of that had to do with mindset. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about when you said, you know, 2020 is maybe that's why sometimes different years feel different because there's like a collective mindset Mm. that this year is like this, but next year is going to be like that. And that, and the mindset people agree with that. And Mm. so that's what happens because everybody's on track for that. Well, I think you're right. I mean, when we're sucking in all the energy that we're sucking in online and there is this doom and gloom, there's a lot of negativity, a lot of even hate a lot of just turmoil and uh, pain, you know, that that's in the world right now. And we can choose to dwell in it 
or we can choose to step out of it and look for hope. Right. So you're right though. I think, you know, we, we can get sucked into that just by what we're surrounding ourselves and what we're allowing into our minds. Right. And that being said, um, I notice sometimes, um, because as artists, I think we're pretty sensitive to, uh, kind of global emotions, maybe, even if we're not watching the news and such. And that I have to allow myself like this weekend, I just had to call my sister and have a big rant about how sad I am and then acknowledge it and, and realize, okay, well, there's been lots of uh, things in this last week that have made me, that have made a lot of people sad. Right. And let myself feel that for a time. Yeah. acknowledge it and then and then move on because we all have um like I've mentioned before I had brain surgery and you know that was a I had times when I felt sad about that sure. <laughs> but sure. at the same time it was one of my most profitable years uh, because I knew that in between uh well there was actually two years involved but in between the moments when I was dealing with this. And I don't know if you've ever had an illness where it was like your part-time job going to the doctors and all the things, but in between there, then I was like motivated, book those sessions, do those things, you know, get organized. And I had 2010 and 2014 were some of my biggest years for business. So yeah, I love that, that the mindset of abundance and kind of my daddy used to call it the can do attitude or stick to itiveness. That was, that was his thing. Is there some way that people can cultivate an abundant mindset? You know, I, I do think it's a daily choice, but one of the easiest ways to step into abundance is through giving. And it doesn't always have to be money. It can be time. And, and I want to make one thing clear (laughs) that being living in abundance and having a heart of, of giving and gratefulness has nothing to do with giving your work away. Okay. So there are yes. two things. Yes. We have it. To, yes. We have to make money to have a bigger impact in the world, to be able to give, to be able to show up in big ways. So um, I'm all about creating value in the world and being paid for that. Mm-hmm. Um, however, we, if we give, even when we don't feel like it's just, you know, just there, if we stretch a little bit in our giving and the way that we show up for other people, uh, we automatically are stepping into abundance. So that's always my first thing when somebody is really struggling and they're using money as a block. Uh, that's a really normal thing for somebody to say, well, I just don't have the money or I can't afford to, I, you know, and we're telling ourselves that. And when we believe what we say to right. ourselves. And so if you're, if you're repeating those things, I don't have the money, I can't afford it. Money doesn't go on trees. You know, if we're saying all these things to ourselves, the very first thing that you need to do is go help somebody, mm-hmm. give them, give them, give them money that the $2 that you're going to spend on, uh, you know, a soda or whatever, you know, make right. some choices around what abundance can look like for you. Right. I have a little uh, game that I play with myself. Um, when I accidentally drop coins, mm-hmm. I leave them. I never pick them up. Oh, see, and I'm the exact opposite. Okay, well, so we'll, okay. we should talk okay. about this. So I'm going to challenge you because this increases your abundance mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And, okay, and, so you and, tell me your version and I'll tell you mine. Okay. And in the so in the same... Um, the same idea is I don't collect pennies from my clients. 
So when I have an invoice, I round down. Right. Um, because I don't need that 81 cents. So, so for me, when I let money, uh, like if money drops, like if, like, of course, if $10 worth of quarters fell to the ground, I pick it up. Right. Right. (laughs) But what I do is I leave it with a blessing Mm -hmm. to the person that's going to find it, that that's going to impact them. Because when I found a dime or a quarter, I feel like, woohoo, you know, like I might pick up coins that I didn't drop. Um, or it, I'm, I think there might be a date on this penny that was the date somebody's uh, baby was born. And they think of it as a love note. Um, and one time I was camping with some friends at um, this great little beach place in California. I, I took a shower and I dropped it. It was maybe a dime in the shower somehow, you know, was in my pocket and I left it. And a little later, my best friend came out of the shower and she said, oh my gosh, I just got a a blessing from the universe. There was a dime and (laughs) I took that as a sign that God loves me or something like that. So I just leave it both, both to say for myself, I don't really need that, but also somebody, this is going to be a little boost in their day. So it, I leave it with a, as a gift. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I uh, love that. And I love that perspective and that, and that mindset. And, and I'll tell you why I'm, I do the opposite and it's not so much around if I drop something, but if I see as little as a penny on the ground, I, you know, that's how I do think of it is I think of it as a gift and that I am grateful for that gift and that it was, it was left for me. Now, if I drop something, if I drop a quarter, I probably am going to go directly to, um, that's not mine. And, but I'm not going to leave it there. I'm going to pick it up and bless someone with it. So I might turn around and, you know, I, I drop something in the gas station and I'm going to just pick it up and turn around and hand it to the person behind me. Mm. The so same so, idea. I just yeah, said, same idea. It's just like a little bit of a different uh, way to think about it. And and but I was taught um, we we did not have money growing up, and I was taught that there was gratefulness around every penny. And so I was taught really young that if I saw a penny, to pick it up and to close my hand and say thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So we're on the same page because I pick up pennies. I didn't leave. Right. It's just somebody's got to be leaving pennies and quarters yeah. and <laughs> for someone else. So if it slips out of my hands, I figure that's me and Releasing somebody. Yeah. yeah. And then the same, honestly, Lori, my business grew when I stopped collecting pennies yeah. on invoices. Isn't that interesting? Because it was a mindset. Mm-hmm. that I do not need, you know, first of all, it simplifies accounting so much yes. <laughs> <laughs> and it looks more luxury. So yeah. it's a positive from the standpoint, like if I spend, like I bought a car and they, whatever was down to the penny of, you know, what I owed for the car. And I'm like, that's just so weird to me now. Mm-hmm. Um, so well, as long as you can go back through and figure out your taxes ac- accurately. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just, I just, um, you know, we that. charge, we charge what we charge and I just subtract the, the I just charge 8% uh, 
And I just absorb that little 62 cent. So the other way I think um, increases people's abundance is investing in um, things that feel like a stretch. You know, it could be uh, going to a convention. It could be, you know, Texas school or West Coast school, or it could be hiring somebody like you or somebody like me. And that just that act starts the ball rolling of the abundant living. Yeah, is that is tr- true. Trusting uh, that 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 money is going to um, to grow ourselves financially, and it's also contributing to others because when someone hires you, that you know that is supporting you. Yeah. So you know it's, it's that the- circle. It's that circle of giving and receiving, and that's one of the things that I say all the time: is don't ever let money be a block is it when, you know, just saying those things or saying, I don't have the money or I can't afford it. Um, you're putting that energy in the world and really all money is, is energy. <laughs> and yeah. so we have to, we have to be, allow ourselves to release it. And it doesn't mean to live frivolously or to waste money. Um, I, I love the concept of wasting versus investing. So mm-hmm. spending versus investing, there's a complete difference, whether it's time, money, our energy, you know, are you wasting it or are you investing it? Right. And uh, yeah, you're, you're so right. Um, yeah. My word of the year for 2020 was invest or is invest. I guess I shouldn't say was, um, but my word for 2020 is invest. Uh, and I just wrote a whole page about the concept of, of investing my time, my relationships, in my relationships, in the team I'm building, in, uh, you know, in my future, all the things. And I, I love that concept of investing. So is there any other part of mindset that you, um, you know, is there mindset part two? <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think for business owners that, um, abundance is, is huge. Uh, but I would say the other part that's really hard for creatives is compartmentalizing and being productive. We think that if we're busy, we're being productive and that is not the case. We can be very busy spinning our wheels, doing a lot of nothing. Yes. (laughs) And instead of time blocking and getting things done and being very focused and, and it's hard, it's hard for creatives but it's one of the things that I've had to learn the hard way to put systems in my life so that I can stay focused. If there's a system there, if there's some things that I need to be checking off, which is not my personality, um, I, I, I get so much more done. And so I'm big on, I'm big on time blocking and big on focus. And uh, it's just as hard for me as anyone else. That's a creative, yeah. even though my mind is a little bit more, uh, off of the creative path and more on the business path, mm-hmm. but, uh, but it's still hard. You know, it's still hard. We have so many distractions. Yes. And I, I've learned, and it's taken me a long time to learn that one system doesn't fit all. Correct. So um, being 100%. very visual when I hired a professional organizer, which I highly recommend, nice. especially someone who helps you organize your workflow Mm-hmm. Um, she, you know, after we dealt with some of the emotional quotients of, um, I wasn't a hoarder, but, uh, 
I was pretty stuck. And once we, and once we got through a lot of that, she said, Lucy, you're a visual. And if you put things in a place that other people think would be a great place for them to go, you're going to forget you have it. Your mm-hmm. world is never going to look like perfectly neat desk and everything away in drawers and things that isn't going to work for you. And so we set up a system of shelves and magazine folders mm-hmm. um, so that I can look on that shelf and I see where every client's flow is and they move, you know, they move to different shelves um, and that works for me and other people that would be too messy. So finding, you know, imagine you would agree with that finding systems that fit what works for you rather than what somebody else might say, uh, you know, this is the end all be all. If you don't do this, you're a loser. (laughs) Yeah. I have the same system, Lucy, for my, for my uh, portrait business. I use a bin system is what I call it. It's just magazine bins, but, um, I've got a workflow envelope that passes through each bin as it goes through the client journey. And that's just how I visually keep track of where every, everything is and know where I am in the process of each client. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I love that. So does each client have their own bin or each bin has? No, each life? bin is a different part of the workflow. So I create a, a client envelope that has my entire workflow start to finish and which is a really good transition here, Lucy. I don't know if you did that on purpose, but I'm going to give away a workflow envelope to everybody. <laughs> oh, awesome. So yes, but um, my workflow envelope, I have, uh, it's got all the client information up at the top. And then I have my entire workflow printed on the front of it so that I can go through and very systematically, you know, check things off. I can time things, different processes, especially when I'm training somebody else. Mm-hmm. I have them time what they're doing and then initial off on each task that they've done. So we can go back and say, okay, what's going well, what could go better? Where can we streamline uh, who, you know, but I can learn from other people. Oh, you're doing this way faster than I ever could teach me what you're doing. Mm. So we can go back through this whole thing and it's got all the notes. It's got a space for notes for each client. So I can literally go to, to see who's in production and what area and go pull their workflow envelope if, if they call or if I need to send them a message or, you know, any, whatever's going on, I can pull it right away and I can see exactly where we are in the workflow. So it's been a game changer for my yes. business. I've used it for about 20 years. I love it. I, mine, I started, um, of course, back when dinosaurs roamed the earth, there were these <laughs> things called negatives and, yep. you know, how, and the bins were how I kept, and I was, <laughs> at the time, some people thought I was an overshooter because I would do a 10 or 11 rolls of 220, which was mm-hmm. 20, yep. 24 images with my Hasselblad. And at the lab, they'd say, oh, how many weddings was that this weekend? And I'd be like, <laughs> one. And, you know, most people were trying to keep it to six rolls or something. So I had big wads of negatives. Yep. Nowadays, people do, you know, thousands of images at a wedding because they can, but yeah, I would have loved that envelope uh, system as an addition. So I'm going to sign up for it while we're talking about that. How, 
how do people get a copy of that amazing workflow envelope? Yeah, you can actually just text workflow to, and we can put the number there for everybody, but it's 515-462-0409 and just text the word workflow to that number. And that's my, that's my business text marketing line and you'll get it right to your phone. Love it. And it is a PSD file. So I do have this in the message that comes, but you will have to open it on, not open it on your phone. You'll have to take that link and open it on your desktop or your laptop Uh, because it's a a layered file. So you can take it in Photoshop and make it yours, you know, change anything you need to change. That's great. That's so generous of you. Um, So something I wanted to ask you about, because I've always been a big fan of your portrait party idea. Yes. And are you able, like, have you, have you pivoted in your your work, in your uh, portrait party idea? Like, what are your thoughts on portrait parties in this particular life situation? We're all right. Well, um, maybe first, maybe first mention uh, portrait parties. Because if someone listens to this in five years, they may want to know what that is. Yeah, know what it is, and then how you might adapt. Yeah, good question. So, uh, portrait parties for me came about. Um, I've always done like mini sessions and events and that kind of thing, but I wanted to do something higher end, and it was at a time in my business when I had about. Uh, $32,000 a month in expenses. And so I had to like really be very intentional about my calendar being booked and what that looked like. And I was looking out over a month at one time and, and I just, you know, was putting numbers together and I was like, I'm not going to hit my numbers this month. I got to figure something else. I got to figure something out like right now. And so I just, I, I called a client that I loved whose kids I loved and I just kind of made stuff up as I went, but I called her and I said, um, Hey, I'm starting something brand new. How would you feel about a free session for the girls and $500 in portrait credit? And that very first client that I called said, sign me up. She didn't even know what she was signing up for. But she said, sign me up. And so once I kind of had the game plan rolling with her, uh, basically what I told her was, I'm, I'm going to ask you to invite 15 uh, friends with kids sitting up through age 14 is my age. But um, I always ask them to get 15 because that would mean I'd end up with 10 to 12 booked. Right. And, uh, but I want you to get 10, you know, 15 friends and um, you're so well connected. I, that's a really good line, you guys, if you're listening. Ah. And you're asking because if you tell someone you're so well connected, I knew you were the right person for this, their mind already starts to work. Who am I connected with? Mindset, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, you're so well connected and here's what I need you to do. So, and so my portrait parties do not, everyone doesn't come at the same time. They all have an appointment. So they're coming every 30 minutes and my host mom does book them all. Uh, I do contact each person before the portrait party. So I'm, I have that connection with them, uh, but we're just photo- photographing kids. I'm photographing for about 15, 20 minutes. And then I'm coming in and handing a card to my salesperson. So we do sales right then. So I'm shooting uh, someone else is selling and I'm shooting the next session while that sales appointment is, is taking place. So um, it's a very quick, fat, fast paced momentum kind of day. But with the preparation that I do with people, we've got the sale you know, kind of wrapped up. They just need to see the images and get them plugged into the products we've already chosen. So, um, so I do have really good sales from these events. And my very first one that I ever did, she had 11 
people booked and I had a $10,000 day. Nice. And so we came home from that very first one and I was like, I'm doing this every month. <laughs> <laughs> let's go. Let's do this again. And so it, it became a, a, a big product line in my business and something that was very, very successful for lots and lots of years. And I still do a few of them a year. I don't do them every month anymore. But, um, but in this, in today's changing climate, one of the great things about doing a portrait event like that, whether you call it a portrait party, portrait event, whatever, uh, some key benefits are that you only have to know one right person. And that one right person is then going to be your quote unquote marketing mom. And you can do this for any genre. I do it for kids because I love photographing families and I want those families back in for a full experience. And so I photograph kids for the portrait parties and then invite them into a full experience with their entire family um, at a later date. But that one host mom is going to introduce me to, you know, 10 to 15 new people, new clients. So uh, would you still be doing an in-person party or? Yeah. So here's the deal is, um, these, these events, I I normally do them at the client's home. So I am uh, shooting outside, typically just in the backyard. Um, I am photographing just kids being kids. So I'm not super concerned about the background. I am concerned about the light and the kid. That's about it. Mm -hmm. Um, And they're scheduled every 30 minutes, whether they have three children, five children or one. So I am just, you know, turning those sessions pretty quickly, but, um, but they're not coming all at the same time. Mm. Now, the thing about the thing that I would probably do differently today, depending on where you are in the country, I'm in the Midwest and things are a little bit looser here uh, right at the moment, but I would probably host it at like a park location Mm -hmm. or a country club location, like somewhere that's not at a client's home necessarily. So she's not taking on that responsibility of having all those people in and out of her house, Mm -hmm. Uh, but still have her be the host mom, her still get the rewards, but have it at another location. And so for example, I've done I've done these events at a park where we've got a pavilion that I can, it's an open pavilion, but my salesperson can be there with a laptop and that mom can come sit down with her. The kids can go to a different part of the park. Uh, On those days, I hire a teenager to be a a babysitter. So once I'm done shooting the babysitter there, she's in another spot in the park. So the kids will get taken there. Mm -hmm. Mom will go sit very close by um, in this open pavilion and do picker images and I'm off shooting the next client. So, um, you know, and, and someone starting it for the first time may have to spread them out a little bit further than every 30 minutes back to back. But once you get in a groove and you do it, uh, you know, do it a couple times, I've just found that just, I love that momentum. It just keeps me really high energy all day mm-hmm. when I've got, you know, I, I, I have about 15 minutes that I'm actually photographing the other 15 minutes is walking them to a, a spot and then walking them to the babysitter, you know, passing off a card. I, I shoot a separate uh, a file card for every single client. Mm-hmm. And then that card, my salesperson pulls the JPEGs off of that card. And then that card with raw and JPEG goes into their workflow envelope. So they've got all the raw files there in their envelope that are there. And we only ever pull the ordered images that they ordered that day. So that part saves us a lot of time and workflow as well, because we're not touching any images that weren't ordered. Mm. So it's a, besides the high paced 
energy of the day. It's also a very profitable day because I am photographing more volume, uh, still at a, a higher end. I have found that my sales averages are about, are about half of what they are on a full experience session, but um, you know, it's higher end, but I don't have any of the workflow in between session and sale, mm -hmm. and, which changes everything. That's a, just a game changer when it comes to workflow. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's a, you know, it ends up being a very profitable day. Yes. Yeah. So it's, it's a lot like what the, the youngins <laughs> <laughs> are calling mini sessions, except yeah. that higher it, end. Yeah. But the difference is that you are having a host mm -hmm. that gets the clients for you rather than yep. boosting posts or however we might market a, an event exactly like that, yeah and session. there's no reason not to market event an event that way you know if you want to put an ad out on social media or however that works for you it's it's totally fine i have just found that um and i don't do sets so i'm not like recreating a set for each one of these it's not i don't even take a background you know none of that it's just kids outside yeah so and that's just been my angle with it but i've also I've had people that have said, you know, oh, it's supposed to rain on Thursday when we're, we have our event. What are we going to do? I, and I, I just say, we're going to splash and have fun in the rain. Oh, and cool. I mean, I have done them in the snow. <laughs> I've done them <laughs> like we don't. And I just tell every client, I just stay super positive about it and say, you know, we're going to have fun in the rain or we're going to have fun in the snow. Uh, make sure they're dressed uh, accordingly. And I'll have people come with the cutest rain boots and raincoats mm. and umbrellas and all the fun things. And Obviously, if there's a tornado coming through, we're not going to do yeah. it. But, but I haven't had one yet that I've had to reschedule because of weather. It just always seems to work out. And um, there was even one whole event that I did almost the entire event on the client's porch because it was raining pretty hard that day. But I'm going to tell you what, the lighting on that porch oh. on that, that cloudy day and some rain, it was fantastic. Heaven. Yeah. So, yeah. So, and I just tell people, you're going to have super unique images. We're going to play in the rain. We're going to play in the snow, whatever. Yeah. 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 Um, so I had two questions on this. Question one is, um, so how much do you then market to the the participants for your fuller sessions, maybe family sessions, um, other things that you do? Do you, you know, do you have... Um, a system to possibly get them in within the next six months, let's say for, for a full session. I do. And I'm going to tell you, Lucy, one of the biggest places that I think photographers fail is in follow-up. We have to have a system for follow-up and it's key. So that, that's such a good question on these particular events. I'm assuming that full experience right from the beginning with them. So I told you I do a lot of prep with them beforehand, even with these shorter mini quote unquote sessions. Um, so I'm calling them and I'm telling them now what most people do with their images from this session is we're going to do something really special for your kids' each of your children's room, each of you know, your daughter's hmm. room, whatever. Um, so we're going to do something really special for their room. And I'm going to be asking you to take some snapshots for me, telling me all about the colors, the theme of, of her room. And we're going to plan for that. That's, that's how I'm going to ask you to dress her. That's going to, that's going to be, um, you know, I'm going to photograph for that theme and those colors, whatever. And so, and I tell them that, and then I tell them, and then what we'll do when you guys come in for your family session. And I just say it as if 
I love it. So what we'll do when you come in for your family session is we'll plan something really special for one of the living areas in your home. How does that sound? And they're just like, okay. Cause nobody's, <laughs> ever, talked, nobody's ever talked to them like that before, you know? Yeah. Um, so and typically, go ahead. Just go ahead. What, what were you say? Start with typically that'll be a good edit. And typically what happens from these sessions, if I, for example, have 12, which is a, a really nice average for me on those days, I'm going to have two of those who won't buy for the wall. That's just kind of like a hard number for me. It just happens. The rest of them are all buying exactly what I'm telling them to buy. And it is the one uh, circumstance where I don't require snapshots of the wall before I do the session. Every other session, it's required. I won't even shoot. So I am shooting for the wall every single time. And I'm shooting very, very specifically. And even on these, like I use my same system, my same flow, it's just shorter. And for these, I am, I'm shooting for the kids' rooms. So I'm not asking them to walk through their house and take photos of every wall they consider hanging a portrait on. I'm literally saying, we're going to do something that's so special for your child's room. And I'm asking them their ages and their personalities and what are they like and what are they into? And, you know, if they tell me, you know, Johnny's into dinosaurs right now and he's just obsessed with them. I, I'm going to say, bring the dinosaurs, mm. right? Because I want that thing that they're so into. That's part of this mini session. I wouldn't do that with a full experience session. No. I'm not going to have them bringing their little toys. Yeah. But for these, when we're creating something really cool to go in their room, it might be a an image series or it might be just one big, almost poster-ish uh, above their bed, you know, I'm, but I'm, I'm getting those snapshots for them and then I'm telling them what they're going to buy. So I'm saying, you know, here's what I envision for above her bed. Here's right. what I envision for down this wall beside the closet. Awesome. So my other question is, um, how do you then convert them? Do you just call up and say, okay, now it's time for your family portrait? Or do you give them a gift certificate to motivate them to come in? How do you? Yeah, I, you I actually don't out? give them a gift certificate. But my system is, is that when I deliver their portraits, I tell them how much fun that I had with them or if they're picking them up, whichever way it works. But um, I had so much fun with the kids and I'm really excited to get to photograph all of you. And usually I haven't met the husband yet. So I'll say, um, you know, what's, what's a good time of year for you guys. And I'm just asking the questions again, as if, and so when she says, Oh, you know, we'd probably like to do it in the fall or, you know, I think we'd want to wait till spring, whatever. I just ask for permission to go ahead and pencil them in my calendar. Mm. And at that time, um, so I'll tell her, you know, okay, April is a good month. Fantastic. Your husband isn't traveling a lot then. And, and I usually will say something like, make sure he knows how important this is to you and how, how grateful you're going to be to have your whole family photograph together. Oh. And, um, and it's also a good time to say, when's the last time have you had a, a professional family portrait done? And most people, they just haven't. It, I mean, it's a large majority of people that haven't had their whole family in a portrait. And if they have, it's been at least a year. So it's a, you know, it's a, just a great opportunity to say, you know, tell him how important this is. And I'm just prompting her on what to say, but, um, but you know, April, great. So what that means is, um, I'm going to be contacting you in March and we'll go ahead and select your day at that time. Sound good. And so it's just a process, you know, um, the mm -hmm. other part of that system is I really enjoyed working with you and I know I would enjoy working with your friends. Would you like to host 
uh, one of these parties yourself. And so it's just always assuming the next step. And I think, like I said, I think that's something, a place where photographers really drop the ball. We don't assume the next sale like the dentist does, like the oil change guy, like you right. know, um, everyone tells us when we need to be seen again. Car- yeah. Carpet cleaner. Yes. Right. 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 I love it. So a question on, um, so if somebody says, yes, I'd like to have a portrait party, can they use that $500 for a family session or would it be only for photos from only for photos? I actually uh, photographed the host uh, mom on the same day, the the kids, not the mom. Uh Um, And so the, the, uh, the portrait credit is for that day. Now I have made exceptions in the past. uh, And especially if somebody wants to do one right away and they've spent really well with me during their, their kids portrait session, I know that I'm going to enjoy her friends as well. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so I've made exceptions for sure. If somebody says, you know what, I'd really like to do it next month. We've got all these dance moms, da, da, da. I'll say, great. You know, I mean, absolutely. I don't have anything written down on that. So I can, I can make exceptions. And if somebody has spent, let's say they, they spent $1,500 during that mini session event. Uh, I know that their family session is going to be one of my regular averages, which is like Mm $3,500. So I'm happy to give them that $500 towards that, right? Yes. Yeah. So so the general uh, concept is it's money to spend on what's created that day. But if there's a situation, of course, it's your business. There's no brochure about it. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Has here's what happens. You can make that exception. Yeah, I love it. So, oh my gosh, we could just do another two hours from my opinion <laughs> and have so much goodness to share. Um, uh, did I have anything else? So, so Lori, how do we get in touch with you and remind us of how we can get that uh, workflow envelope gift? Yes, yes. Well, the best way, honestly, to get a hold of me is through that text line. And so um, I'm telling you how you can get the workflow envelope, but you can just text me there too. If anybody has a question or just wants to reach out, uh, the number is 515-462-0409 and just text the word workflow to get that workflow envelope sent over to you. And then, yeah, feel free to message me there. And of course you can find me on social media and I'm just Lori Nordstrom everywhere. So you know, at Instagram, it's just Instagram.com forward slash Lori Nordstrom. Cool, uh, cool. All, all that good stuff. Yes. Good. So if you could leave our listeners with one last thought, either something you haven't said or summary, um, what would that be? Hmm. I would say to leave them with one last thing would be to know that wherever you are, you're not alone. I think as creatives, we do get lonely from time to time and especially with social media and we see everybody else doing all the things. And, um, you know, I I always tell photographers, the only person, the only people who are looking at your Instagram full of images and your blog full of images are other photographers. (laughs) (laughs) So we kind of need to get out of that mindset where instead of going to post all the images that you can find, get out in the world. Mm -hmm. Yes, right now, sometimes we can't physically get out, but even during lockdown, I was on the phone, I was on Zooms, connecting other business owners in my community. I had a a Zoom call with over 60 women, uh, business owners, and just connecting people. And they remember that, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, I said a lot during lockdown, you know, we, we, if we're not 
out there, if we're not networking, if we don't stay in front of people, how are people supposed to remember us? So um, you're not alone. Don't be lonely. Uh, <laughs> reach out to your community of around you as well as your community of photographers. There are lots of photographers that love lifting others up. And so reach out. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Be sure to stay tuned for my wrap up and um, also get in touch with me if you would like to be one of the people selected to be coached live on my podcast. Um, Lori already affirmed that it is something really fun that people absolutely love. So that is my new adventure. And I think it will not only support you, but any question somebody asks other people have the same question or the same need. So you'll be supporting others by allowing me to put you in that hot seat. So Lori, thank you so, so much. And I'm sad that we can't see each other at a convention coming up soon, but I know there will be a time. And now we've had one-on-one time. So um, I love it. What a treat. All right. Thank you, Lori. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. I absolutely loved that conversation and I hope you did as well. She's one of those people that usually at conferences and things, she's got a crowd (laughs) around her. And uh, so getting to have just one-on-one time with Lori Nordstrom, uh, what a treat. And I hope you, um, well, I know that you got a lot out of that. So a little quick summary. So she shared a little about where she came from and how she just started photographing her kids in a way that just felt right for her. And from that, she created a business that had a different perspective, a different um, style, different way to shoot that. um, And people that know me know I don't use the word shoot very often, but had, uh, had a little lighter, fresher way of photographing kids, natural light with them kind of being themselves. And um, our conversation about how um, it was mostly a man's world. So, you know, if you're like, oh, Lucy, quit going on on. (laughs) What I want you to know is I absolutely love the male perspective on this industry, on, you know, life itself. And it it was such a joy to see a lot of strong, smart women joining the conversation and um, and adding the perspective that is a little bit different often from women and moms. And um, it created more opportunities for more of us to get in the party. So um, grateful to her as part of what I'd say was a second wave uh, back in the day. And um, let's see. And then we went deep into mindset and the concept of abundant living and that it's important to give and receive. Um, When we have a scarcity mentality, it is really hard for things to come our way. When we hold everything tightly, when we're afraid to spend or we're afraid to give, how are we going to have people giving to us or buying our things or comfortable with our prices? So um, I loved Uh, her sharing about that and that it's important to wake up every day and choose abundant thoughts rather than there's not enough uh, thoughts. The year, her word of the year is invest. And I assume that meant invest time, invest talent, invest money, and um, grow, share, give, do, and that attracts all kinds of good things our way. Um, She talked about 
as business owners, we need to compartmentalize our time because as creatives, it's as creatives, it's important to get the things done that are important and it's easy to get sidetracked um, and to have systems to keep us focused. She is giving us a workflow. She's giving us a workflow envelope if you text her and uh, that that helps keep a system in place. And then we went into portrait parties, which is something that she taught years and years ago um, that are kind of like, you know, Tupperware parties, but it's staggered. So they're not really hanging out, um, you know, all together, all the same time and how profitable that can be. And then also how she uses those to lead the people that attended portrait parties into becoming family portrait clients. And I loved how she just assumes that. It goes with what I teach a lot to y'all, which is to become the trusted advisor, Um, not to ask, but to tell. But we can't do that until we establish ourselves in that role, which Lori is very, very good at. Um, So that is all for today. And I look forward to having you contact me via email or from lucydumas.com if you want to be in the hot seat on my show and get some coaching and help other people in the meantime. So um, bye for now. You have been listening to The Highly Profitable Photographer with Lucy Dumas. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate, subscribe, review, and share. To connect one-on-one and learn more about our coaching programs, just go to lucydumascoaching.com. Until next time, go have fun photographing and selling your work.